Hey there, I'm Ashley and I'm a proud mama of two beautiful kiddos, a wife, a health and wellness coach, and a middle and high school shop teacher. Hi, I'm Roberta, mama, wife, educator. I'm an entrepreneur and homeschool mom navigating the work, family, social life balance. Together, we will discuss various topics near and dear to our hearts for teachers and mamas, like routines, health, habits, self-care, and so, so much more. Living a healthy lifestyle is for everyone from young children to adults. Health, wellness, and emotional and social well-being starts at home and should be expanded upon in the classroom. Everyone can benefit from the Teacher Mamas podcast. So if you're ready to learn some helpful tips, let's do this thing. We are so excited to be with you guys tonight. Um, okay, so it's supposed to be you guys, but it's actually just Chris tonight because uh, Brooke was in a meeting, so we're we're trucking on without him. But can you tell our audience who you are and what you do and why you decided to do the podcast that you and Brooke and, okay, I don't remember the other guy's name. Yeah. Yes. His name is Kia Sala. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. So I'm Chris, Pon- I'm, I'm Chris Ponce and um, I am a school psychologist or a licensed specialist in school psychology in San Antonio, Texas. I'm also the host of the TASP Talks podcast and that's TASP like T-A-S-P, which stands for Texas Association of School Psychologists. And myself, Brooke Roberts and Kia Sala um, are all board members, previous board members, that have this is our third season with our podcast um and we really initiated it to kind of bring to light school psychology in general and to the masses we could say um but it really is also highlight amazing people who are doing some awesome stuff in education and in our field and it really started off in our field and then it moved into educators and education in general which is why we had ashley and roberta on mm-hmm. um and i missed that episode unfortunately because of things going in life stuff but um mm-hmm. from what i heard from brooke and kia it went phenomenally so i'm very excited for that <laughs> one to drop so i can hear it but that's really kind of the catalyst for everything is to kind of just bring everything to light about what's going on in the field and um just talk about school psychology because it's very not a lot of people know about school psychologists um little little i mean even lssps which is what we're called in texas and that's a whole freaking thing um then we have three episodes devoted to that in our entire first season which is just why are we called lssps what everybody else is called school psychologists but mm-hmm. um i feel that's a long-winded answer i don't know how much you wanted me to go into that after. oh no that's good <laughs> <laughs> no but that does you do make a great point like a lot of people don't know what school psychology is or get get it mixed up with like um social working or a counselor Mm -hmm. or yeah, it can get mixed up with a lot of things. So, and I, and I, I think part of the issue too is every state and not just every state, but every district can kind of define the role of a school psych slightly differently, but for our listeners, Mm -hmm. could you give like in general, what is the school psych position? Like what does that actually entail? Yeah, absolutely, Roberta. And you're really, you are 100% correct. Every district kind of dictates what their school psychologist does. But to just kind of give you a generalized what we do in def- definition, we are, we're the consultants on a campus. We primarily work with children in the special education world, but it doesn't mean we can't work with children in the general education. Again, like you said, Roberta, on your district and what they want you to do. Our primary role for most of us is evaluation. So 
it used to be, and we are moving away from this as a field, but it used to be that our primary job was to be the gatekeepers for special education. So if your child needed special education services, or you think your child had a disability, we're the evaluators that complete those evaluations, whether it's psychological or academic in nature. Um, so we do all those evaluations, but we also provide counseling, and we also do consultation, and we also do behavior management, and we also do PDs, professional development, and everything. So we really are, think of it like a very broad range of stuff that we're all like, okay at, mm -hmm. right? We're like, people are very specialized in certain things, like a board certified behavior analyst is a behavior analyst who works primarily with behavior. We have foundational training in that same thing, but they are a hundred times better at it because they have only training mm -hmm. in that. And I, and I am for all the BCBAs out there that are listening, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to like surface level, what describe what your job is, but that's kind of a good example, right? Mm -hmm. We would be the ones that come in and like, Roberta's got a kid in her class that you need some help with whatever off task behavior or physical aggression, you may consult with your school psychologist first. And if I provide services or I mean, I provide supports, interventions or whatever, and they're just not completely working, I may be like, all right, we need to go to like the big people. Let's go to the BCBAs who can come in and provide yeah. even better services than what I got. So um, mm -hmm. it's, and it's such a loaded question too, because we can do so much. <laughs> it's like saying, mm -hmm. what is a teacher's job? Well, you're like, a parent for kid for 24 plus kids in a classroom for yeah. eight hours a day. <laughs> your children, by the way, so you don't get any of the benefits for anything they do. And they may forget your name in three years anyways. You're also a counselor <laughs> for all your kids in your classroom and for other teachers in your same group or grade, right? These like educators mm -hmm. have so many jobs they have to fulfill that there's, I mean, think of how many different titles there are in education, right? Yeah. Everybody's got a piece to play. And that's just my yeah. little piece is to make sure the kids get tested. That's the big part of it. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just funny kind of off topic topic, but since you were saying like, you're the babysitter, I just, I posted something on our stories today. It was like, I'll take babysitter pay $10 yeah. times 24 kids times 180 days. And it came out to like $321,000. <laughs> like, I would that. love, I would love for a teacher to get paid that. <laughs> yeah, right. mm -hmm. uh, so, um, okay. Back on topic. As teachers, um, we've seen a massive increase in behavior since the pandemic. Um, can you give us your reasons as to why you've been seeing what you've been seeing as a school psychologist? Like, why do you think it's been ramped up so much? So, I mean, when you think about, um, do you guys know that documentary Blackfish? And I'm thinking I may be doing an extreme example. So it's the it's the whole thing. So. This may be a horrible comparison, but, but just like work with me here, work with where I'm going for. Okay. So Blackfish is a documentary about a lot of the attacks that happen at like various sea worlds and aquatic places from orcas oh, yeah, yeah. and animals in captivity. Right. But basically mm -hmm. you're taking an animal that's not meant to be in captivity and forcing it into a box for an extended amount of time and then expecting it to follow your rules and your structure and your routines. So things are going to mm -hmm. happen. And that's, an, that's a, supposed to be a wild animal whatever you think now we did that with the entire world all right <laughs> we we required ashley johnson and her family to stay in their house and sit there with your children right so if your children were not predisposed already to social norms you can only imagine what it would have been like because their rules and regulations was only in their household my mm -hmm. my primary job is i have two elementary campuses okay 
So this is the most I've ever done referrals on young children underneath first grade and under for behavior issues. Now, if you do the math, this is like five years old and younger, their formative learning years were all done during the pandemic and during quarantine. So now we're requiring, and I have, we have three-year-olds on our campus too. We have pre-K three, pre-K four, kinder first, second, all the way up to fifth, right? So my three-year-olds were born in the pandemic. My four-year-olds were one in the pandemic. And then they were raised in a household where they weren't required to socialize. They mm-hmm. were told to stay there. They were required to, and this is not a, I'm not saying anything, there, but these are all things that play a part right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is what was required for them. So now we're telling them to go into a classroom with 24 students on the low end. Hopefully you have 20. That'd be fantastic. And you're mm-hmm. required to follow not mom and dad's rules and not mom and dad's regulations. And you're supposed to do it with 23 other kids who have the same upbringing as you. We can say that for mm-hmm. once. All these children have been brought up the same way, which is in their household with their ho- with their parents. Right. Mm-hmm. You weren't able to go to parks and learn how to work with other kids and play with them and do all that type of stuff. You weren't required to interact and go to birthday parties. Right. Like my kid turned one during quarantine. So it was like me, mom and him. And we like made him a cake. It was great. But like he didn't have like friends at his birthday. He didn't have mm-hmm. grandparents at his birthday. This is just the way it was. So now mm-hmm. we put him in a classroom and you're like, all right sorry about it. You got to learn. But now it's put so much pressure on the teachers because teachers are Mm ill-equipped to deal with this because this is not something that anybody's had to deal with up until this point. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, the behavior management skills that are required to deal with this type of stuff is immense. And now we're adding in actual disabilities on top of it. So if you have a child who's on the spectrum is undiagnosed or has not qualified yet, now we're putting them in with children who are not, or maybe I don't want to use the term, but it's the easiest way to describe it is like socially maladjusted, right? Mm-hmm. They have not learned the social norms that everybody else has. And so you have like rising tide raises all ships in a bad way. Like this one's getting dysregulated and this one's becoming dysregulated and this one's becoming dysregulated. And that's two, that's only two kids out of 24. But as teachers, you know, that's all it takes is just totally just destroy a classroom, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's, that makes it very difficult. And but that's just something that we've seen. And we still think maybe it's two more years until we get out of this type of stuff, mm-hmm. until we get to maybe pre-pandemic type of things, you know, and we hope <laughs> we're hoping. Right. I mean, on the flip side, this may just be our mm-hmm. new normal, you know, because there's also some mm-hmm. parents and some families that were requiring their children to continue on in the same way, even when it was considered safe by whoever deemed that. Right. So it's safe to go out in public and interact with people. Well, some families are like, I just want to take their approach and I'm going to keep my children home and I'm not going to let them go out, which is perfectly fine. That's their choice to do that. But again, now we're still coming to a class with 20 plus kids and having the same issues. So you mm-hmm. see all these variables and factors that are thrown into a giant mixer, right? Um, yeah. That's my, that's my, that's what I think personally. No, I, I love the, I've never heard it explained like that compared to that document. I've never watched the documentary, but I, I know as soon as you said it's about the fish, I was like, oh yeah, okay, I remember yeah. now. <laughs> and that is like very accurate. And you're, I have heard this from many, many SPED teachers at our school. And this is not just young kids either. This is, I, I'm hearing this from our high school SPED teachers who are like, I have never at this old of an age had to put in so many um, requests for evaluations. Like I, 
it's just it's astronomical the amount of kids that are getting evaluated these last couple of years because of what has gone on like exactly what you just described (laughs) yeah and absolutely ashley and if you think about it even if we go let's, let's talk about secondary type of schools a lot of these children were required to stay home during very important developmental parts of puberty um socially socializing with new kids growing up some of them graduated virtually like I saw uh, on Instagram, it was a funny picture of somebody's yearbook when they graduated during the pandemic and it was Zoom pictures. So some people didn't even have like pictures. It was just like their initial <laughs> because they didn't take a picture. Like this is how some people grew up. So like Ashley, Roberta and Chris, we grew up in what we would call a typical type of, you know, I mean, maybe you guys didn't. I don't know. I wasn't on the first episode with you guys. I don't know if you guys, your <laughs> life has been like up until this point. But my assumption is you graduated in the typical American way, right? We walked the stage. We got a fake paper that had nothing on it because you couldn't get in trouble. Otherwise, <laughs> they wouldn't send you the diploma. Like, these are yeah. things that happened to us. But, you know, these children and these kids and these teenagers didn't get that type of experience. So we're seeing a lot more mental health needs post because they were isolated, You know, this is like teenagers. Think back to like when you're a teenager, like you socialization was such an important part of it for a lot of us. And it doesn't have to be like you're socializing with everybody, but you had friends. Right. And they could have been inversely impacted as well. And you you may admit that now, like I didn't socialize a lot of people. And now I kind of feel that now I wish I could have talked to more people at that time. But everybody kind of acknowledges that's an important part. And you were required not to do that. And so you Mm -hmm. hoped you had a cell phone. You hoped you know, you had a computer to talk to people. And that, and again, that's all, ta- we're all assuming people are privileged and have economic mm-hmm. means to talk to friends, right? Mm-hmm. Like I can only imagine, and this is Chris Ponce talking from Texas, what it was like up in the North during like winter season, right? Which is something we don't have, we have, we have one month of winter, right? In Texas, like, and woo, that 40 degrees, it gets cold. Let me tell you what, um, I was just telling Roberta, uh, Ashley, I, or sorry, Roberta, I was just telling Ashley before you got on that, like, we had a high today, like 92, which is like uh, very normal for us. <laughs> um, but that's kind of like, we could uh, still go outside <laughs> like during the pandemic mm-hmm. times, but I can only imagine right. what it was like when it's like, it's winter season and it's, you're now you're stuck indoors, whether you want to or not. So, mm-hmm. and I'm assuming you guys are seeing issues in your guys' schools too, at this point, right? Oh, for More sure. than you had before. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah even in my own children, it's like, I see, it's like, um, my youngest is developmentally. And of course, every kid is different anyway. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, my four-year-old isn't doing the same things that my eight-year-old did when she was four. And of course, there's always those variances, but I know some of that is just, is because of the difference in how they were brought up up until the point they were four. Like my four-year-old was turned one right before the pandemic hit. So it's just, it's been a different um, life for him. And we're noticing that as parents Mm -hmm. moving forward. And like in his preschool groups that we're a part of, we can see, you know, just the difference between things. So uh, what I'm wondering though, Chris, is when we do the special ed, um, and I've been removed from special ed for a couple of years here. So you'll have to Correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't there something where you have to prove that the behavior and the academic um, deficiency is not due to an environmental factor? So, like, how yeah, does so, the pandemic play into these evaluations? 
Yeah. So let me put a disclaimer before we talk about this is every state regulates their disabilities. So I will speak to Texas's eligibilities, but every state has the different titles or different labels for what they call it. But in Texas, we have an eligibility called emotional disturbance. And we also have one that's mm-hmm. autism. Everybody's got autism, right? Those are the primary behavior ones. There's also other health impairment, but that one's more for medical issues. So that can be anything from ADHD to cerebral palsy to cancer even. Um, so that's, that one kind of is a a mixed bag, so to speak. So when we look at those behaviors, though, um, you're right. We have to make sure that social maladjustment isn't a reason because of it. And I would say prior to the pandemic, it was very rare that that would be something that I would say, yes, this behavior is occurring because of social maladjustment. And typically, the social maladjustment you'd see pre-pandemic was something that's very obvious, right? And I'm just making up an example. It's not any type of student or anything like that I've worked with, but if you have a student that is maybe the child of drug addicts and has been in the foster system for multiple years and has moved from school to school and maybe in the third grade has, this is their third school they've been in um, and the third foster family they've been in. Well, you might see what we call like survivalist behavior. So you would see like stealing, Mm -hmm. you would see um, yelling and screaming and immediate fighting because has that child grew up either in a foster home or literally on the streets, that's what they needed to do to survive. Okay. So when I'm doing an assessment and I'm seeing these things and it's very hard because you have to walk a fine line as a school psych and be sympathetic towards a teacher and Mm -hmm. sympathetic towards the child as well. Right. And it's my Mm -hmm. job to make that decision, whether or not the kid qualifies or not. But I also have to understand that Ms. Johnson is having a very difficult time with this child. Okay. Mm-hmm. And when I say the kid's not going to qualify and is not going to receive any support because of these reasons, I know I may be making an enemy out of Mr. Johnson because <laughs> it's very easy for me to do that and be like, all right, heading back to my office. I will see you guys later. Right. Mm-hmm. So whenever I have like interns, and I'm going to get to the question too, Roberto, but just yeah. so people are listening, whenever I have interns or practicum students, which is part of the licensing process to become a school psychologist, I always make sure they know. Whenever you're going to disqualify a student for something like this, that's a behavior thing. You ha- you can't just say, no, they don't qualify and then move on with your life. You still have to mm-hmm. tell and help the teacher out in any way you can. And I, I mean, it's, it's very hard for me to give like examples of that right now because I need to know the right. behavior. But the, the idea is like, you can't just like leave them high and dry and then peace out, right? That's mm-hmm. just not something you can do. Back to your question though, post pandemic, we're seeing that a lot. Now the issue is, it goes back to what I was saying before. If this is the new normal, then it's not social maladjustment. So now you come to like a philosophy thing, right? If this is just how culture and society is currently, then I can't say it's social maladjustment because it's not. That's just Mm -hmm. our cultural norms at this point. So you're kind of, again, walking another fine line between, I don't think Roberta should qualify because I think this is a direct result of the pandemic. But then the question is, well, Everybody had to go through the pandemic. So maybe this is just how it is. Maybe this is how Roberta mm-hmm. is. And now mm-hmm. you get into the nature versus nurture argument, right? Is this how she grew up or is she was she always predisposed to this type of behavior? Right. right. So there's a lot of questions that go into this. And it's it's really weighing on a lot of school psychs this year and these mm-hmm. past couple of years. But really this year has been, I think, the first year that we're really seeing a lot of these things come out to play because mm-hmm. we we have to make these decisions and we don't get to say like, oh, you know, Department of Education, can we like extend our timelines because we're having a little bit of a hard time? They're like, I don't <laughs> I don't care about that. like figure it out. Everybody's right. having a hard time. And that's the other part too. 
It's not like, oh, oh, woe is the school size of the world because everybody's dealing with stuff right now, you know? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's just, we just have, so basically we're letting every school psych make their professional opinion on these cases. And so we, we're, we are taking it as a case by case example, right? It's not to imply, I would never say no to social maladjustment, but at this point I would need pretty good evidence to say that at this point. Right. And so, Mm -hmm. cause the other part of it is if I were to talk to a teacher who's becoming frustrated about something and I'm saying, yes, social maladjustment is meaning I'm not going to qualify the student. I'm also letting them understand, like, I don't test for special education services only. There's two questions that we answer when we do an evaluation. One, do they require special education services? And two, do they have a disability? That's a very important key word for me because a disability isn't necessarily something that goes away. So when I'm explaining this to you guys as teachers or whoever, I'm, I'm using you guys as proxies, by the way. This is not implying Ashley and Roberta don't know anything about what I'm talking about. You guys are just the faces that are here in front of me. <laughs> but mm-hmm. when I'm explaining to you guys, I'm like, yes, Chris is having a lot of hard time in the class. He doesn't sit down a carpet, whatever. He's picking up things. He's throwing them whenever he gets angry. It's very hard to calm him down. But this is maybe a product of something else other than a disability. And I understand it's hard right now. But Mrs. Johnson, do you think Chris has a disability or do you think he just needs to learn social skills? Right. Mm-hmm. Or do you think you know behavior management skills, calming techniques, things like that? And that's when you kind of get people on their people. That, and that can be for a principal, too. That's when you get people kind of on their heels a little bit. We're like, well, no, I don't know if he has a disability. I'm like, well, if we don't think he has a disability and that means he doesn't qualify for special education services. Again, I'm not right. just saying you need help. I'm saying this kid has a disability. And because of that, they cannot access the general education curriculum without services and supports. Mm-hmm. If we're saying no, and he's not qualifying, we're saying, yes, he can. He just may need a little bit of training right now. And I can help you with that. So let me help you with that. Right. So there's mm-hmm. that key part I was talking about, right? I can't just leave you high and dry. I still have to come in and help you with whatever things you need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for that clarification. I think that was really helpful. Okay. And if anything's confusing, please tell me to say it a different way. Because sometimes I'll just go on and on and on and on. So. <laughs> No, I think that was, that was very helpful. So let's kind of switch gears and kind of talk about the teacher side of it here. I know you weren't on when we interviewed with, um, your other two. Yep. Your other time. I'm sorry. I cannot remember his name. Kia, like the car. I got it. Oh, Um, perfect. (laughs) And he would love that. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, when we were interviewing with them, They asked us what we would do if we were in their shoes and the teachers kept coming to them um, with their school problems. And like, because they felt like you were somebody that could listen. Now you're not there per se for the teachers. You're there to do evaluations, but you're seeing a lot more teachers coming to you because they feel Mm -hmm. comfortable with this. And Roberta and I were actually kind of talking about boundaries at that point and um, so we kind of, we, we gave them an answer. They'll have to go listen to your episode for that answer. But um, mm-hmm. so what I am wondering is um, ha- like, what, what are the, what, like, have you seen a rise in teachers needing this kind of help or counseling to talk to and to do things uh, like since the pandemic? So like, has that been also like on the teacher side as well? 
Absolutely. Teacher burnout is a giant thing. My wife is an ex teacher. She is now a she is now a BCBA. She was a sped teacher for like 10 plus years. Um, one of the reasons there's two, there's a bunch of reasons why she got out of teaching one and nothing to do with falling out of love of it. One was mainly that it's a hard job and people don't give you enough credit for it. And you are required to do 9,000 different things with minuscule mm-hmm. pay, which is why I would love for you to get the babysitter rate. I think that'd be a fantastic <laughs> thing. Um, <laughs> But yes, uh, post-pandemic, post-quarantine, post-whatever you want to call it, teachers are having a very difficult time. And I am seeing it with teachers that are more experienced because they mm-hmm. are used to teaching in a pre-pandemic world. And this isn't this isn't it anymore. Like, that's just gone. That's fast. And I think there's a lot of cultural standards that have changed. Um, parents are getting younger. And, you know, whether or not they're teaching their children basic you know, social emotional skills is for lacking. And unfortunately, because maybe that's not happening, it's left to the teacher to do it, whether they wanted to or not, because if they want their classroom to run efficiently or even semi-efficiently, they need to get 95% of the children on board with things. There's always going to be one, right? That's just, that's just going to happen. That just is what it is. So a lot of my early of the year, sorry, my early year stuff I do is consultation um, referrals. I may have some left over from the previous school year, so I'll knock those out pretty quickly. But referrals and parent requests really won't kick in probably till like September-ish time, right? Um, for like the majority of them. That's not to imply that none happened in August. So those first couple weeks, a huge part of what your school psychologist should be doing is checking in on your teachers, checking in on your students that you know are going to be kind of your flyer behavior kids, and going into that classroom and either providing support and services or consulting with the teacher. All right, Roberta, what do you need help with? What are what are some of the issues that you're dealing with right now? How can I be? A, how can I help you? As an evaluator, especially as a school psychologist, you know so much. Sorry, that sounded pompous. <laughs> the school psychologist has been trained in a lot of different things, right? <laughs> so, utilize your school psychologist for things that they may potentially know. All the school psychs are required to take behavior management courses so they can help with that stuff. Now, we do it at an individual scale, right? So I know how to, I've been trained to work with an individual student, but through experience, mm-hmm. and especially if you have an experienced school psychologist, they can come into the classroom and help develop the classroom as well, right? Little things like you don't have rules on the wall, right? That could be something, right? You just, well, I'll help you make a, a a visual schedule for the wall, right? That helps with many of your children that have some trouble with adaptability and changing and transitioning. Little things like that can help immensely in the beginning of the school year, especially with younger kids. But just also just coming in and like reassuring them that like, yes, you know what you're doing. Like, it's always going to be hard. Teaching is very hard. That's why I never did it because I'm not cut (laughs) out to be a teacher. I don't have the skills. I have a quick side note, side story. Uh, early in my career, I've been on my same campuses for seven years, which does also help a lot with a lot of stuff I'm saying, because there's been a trust and rapport built over that time. But in my first year, I'm near what we call the kinder, the pre-K pod. So it's like where all the pre-K classes are. And mm-hmm. I just happen to be in the hallway going to visit our early childhood special education classrooms. And a teacher was like, hey, I need, which is a thing that you don't think about when you're school psych. The teacher's like, I need to use the restroom. Can you please watch my class? Right. Yep. I can just go yep. to the restroom wherever I want. I know that's a huge <laughs> privilege in schools. And I, I 100% acknowledge that. So it's like, oh, of course. Yeah. It's like, what, pre-K? I can walk it. I can watch your class for like 
couple of minutes. And so I went in and I decided to play the worst game you can play with pre-K kids, which is a <laughs> game. It's got 9,000 different names, but I called it Still Rivers, which is basically we're all going to sit still and see who can sit still the longest, right? Mm. So they're like, oh, okay, okay, okay. So I'm like, all right, everybody just be how you want to be. So like half the kids are trying to act silly. The other ones are like taking it seriously. And as soon as I say go, within five seconds, somebody's like, Chris moved. And then of course, Chris like, I didn't move, you moved. And it just turned into chaos and I couldn't get everybody to settle down. And I'm like, I, I don't know say what to five do five right seconds now. is impressive. Oh my gosh, you have no idea. It's only because I told them the winner would get something. I mean, there was no winner. <laughs> And the teacher came yeah. back and it was worse than when she left. And I'm like, oh, clearly this is not for me. I can never do this. I can't do this job. <laughs> no, <laughs> I can't do it. All right, but hope but, you enjoyed the bathroom break. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, was that was it nice having to go pee? Like, oh, I'm glad you got that. I'm leaving now. Peace yeah. out. So, <laughs> no. but, but the idea that, you know, post the teachers aren't, are not having necessarily the, the skills that they need. And it's not for the teacher's fault. It's they were never trained for this type of life. And mm-hmm. even the teachers that are now coming in or teachers that came in last year, I have like four teachers between my campuses, my two campuses are like, oh, yeah, I mean, I did my end of my my schooling like online. And I mm-hmm. think and I'm speaking to two teachers. I think the classroom experience in school is probably very integral to like learning what to do, what you guys do for a living mm-hmm. and to have mm-hmm. that taken away from you. You know, Roberta, you're going to be Ashley's your whatever you're your supervisor or whatever you guys call it in school. Um, but they're also a virtual school because of pandemic. So you'll just jump on zoom when she jumps on zoom and just kind of read books. I mean, whatever they, the district was right. having you guys do. And now we're like, all right, good. You graduated, you got your license, your certificate, go into the class now, 20 plus kids have fun with it. Right. Yeah. And you're like, Oh, this was not what I signed up for. And it's like, yeah, mm-hmm. no doubt because you weren't trained for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Can you give us like your top three things or strategies that you think would help teachers relieve some of these common stresses that that you're seeing happening in school? Like the top three things that they can control that you can help them with that that would maybe help prevent burnout. Yeah, and you're talking about like classroom stuff, right? Or just I, yeah, personal. Yeah, either or. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, one, take Whatever care of yourself. <laughs> well, one is really take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, I am a, and this is going to, everybody will think differently about this. I'm a big proponent of, I never work from home. Um, if I have something to do, mm-hmm. I do it at the school. And if I don't finish it at school, then I'll pick it up the next day. Um, mm-hmm. And also not staying too late because the job is a job. You still have a family and a personal life that I think you need to go home to. Doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't care what it is. You go home to a family, you go home to your friends, you go home to roommates, you go home to cats, whatever. I don't care. But <laughs> like, don't be at school all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Like you guys don't get paid enough to do that. You don't get mm-hmm. overtime pay. You're let's don't do that. Um, right. I'm we were stop just talking there, with a, um, a teacher who started out single. So she's like, I didn't have anything to go home to. So, and I think we see this a lot with new teachers. It's like, they just stay forever and ever. Cause it's like, I have nothing else to do. So why not stay? And then they're all like, why am I feeling this way at the end of my first year of teaching or second year of teaching or whatever? And it's like some boundaries. Keep working. Yeah, gotta, gotta, <laughs> okay. So, I mean, going home is a very important thing. 
you have to worry about yourself first. It's the whole airplane going down. Here comes the oxygen mask stuff. Put your oxygen mask on first before you do it to anybody else because you're useless if you're like sick. You're useless if your mental health, if you're under emotional distress, which is a huge thing with me, if you have mental health needs that are going on, like we can't have that in the classroom. And I, that, I don't want that to be seen as like cold hearted. Like you have to think about yourself first before you think about these other things, you know? And I think Mm -hmm. that's also a good time to, and to think about like what you said, Roberta, like, let's say you started off the job single or just whatever, and then you became married and you became in a relationship or do whatever you want to do at some point. Well, like your lifestyle is going to change, right? Like mm-hmm. if I stayed at work till 6 p.m. every single night and now I have a spouse, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, whatever, and I'm like, oh, well, I usually stay home to stay at work till six. So like, well, don't you get off like 3.30? Like, don't you want to come home and like be with me? And you're like, well, me? I don't. I, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. And so now you're having to adjust, but your time management will have to adjust as well. So I think that's incredibly mm-hmm. important. Now, classroom wise, and I'm going to speak to elementary stuff. And that's my, that is my specialty. That's where I've been my entire career. I have worked in secondary school, um, but I don't think this is necessarily will transfer as easily. I think having a good PBS, which is positive behavior supports on a campus is incredibly important. I'm a very big proponent of that. That is a great tier one, which is this whole school-wide type of support. Um, so something very simple is like having the rules on the wall helps a lot. And I know you may be like, oh, well, my kids came and read there in kindergarten, but you can use visuals still, right? You can use like a quiet face, things like that. And then developing a great system with rewards, classroom management, I mean, classroom rewards, classroom reinforcement goes so far. And when I go into classrooms and they tend to be newer teachers, um, when they're like, like, I'm just having so much trouble with this class, I can't get it together. I'm like, all right, where are your class rules posted? And like, oh, we don't, we don't do the class. We don't have the class rules. I'm like, that sounds so dumb, but it's just so simple just to have it up there where I can point well, I it out. There's a great book. <laughs> What's that? There's a great book. I think it's called like the first 60 days or whatever. And that's like day one. Yeah. I mean, yes. class rules. Yeah. It's like first 60 days of being a teacher. No, 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 no. I'm thinking of a different of book. Every, or no, maybe it's not the first 60 days. Maybe it's the first 30 or something, but it's of every year and it's just getting your classroom. <laughs> I love that you're looking at your books. <laughs> Mine are all packed up right now. So my wife, all my wife's books are here. So oh, this that is. That looks like that's it. That's it. <laughs> so the first days of school. Days of school. Yeah. So there wasn't was, was a cool. number. That's why I couldn't come up with it. Hey, real quick. Do you want me to show, tell you an outdated sentence real quick? It says also enhance CD inside. So isn't that an outdated sentence at this point? It CDs? A CD wrong? I don't know what that is. <laughs> no. <laughs> but oh, anyway, funny. so something as simple as that helps develop and create foundational classroom management skills. Having something like a reinforcement system in your classroom is incredibly important as well. Right? You need your children, you need your students to be working towards something. And I know a lot of teachers, at least teachers that I deal with, are like, well, I don't know how to do that which is fine. I think that's the other part. Ask questions if you don't know if you need help. Don't just drown in a classroom. You have support systems around you, whether it's the fellow teachers, whether it's your assistants, your administrators, your counselors, your school psychs on campus, whatever it is, just reach out to somebody because you guys are all there for the same reasons, hopefully. Um, We're going to assume that, that we're there to help the kids. And Mm -hmm. 
somebody can know the answer. Somebody can help you. I don't know what you guys have up in Minnesota, um, right? Minnesota, correct? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. Not if you guys agreed. So I was like, oh, I just picked a northern state. So I hope that was the right <laughs> one. <laughs> um, but down here in Texas, we have regional centers. So the state is broken up into 20 regional centers, which kind of like dictate, like I'm in region 20, right? So if I have any questions, similar. okay, yeah. So reach out to your region centers, your educational centers, whatever you guys want to call it, or whatever you guys call it in your state because they have people on staff that can help you out too, right? You have resources around you, use them. You don't have to pay for any of these types of things. All it takes is talking and collaborating with each other and also build relationships with people on campus. Don't isolate yourself in your room. I mean, don't be like, you know, it's not a party, but you know, if I know, for instance, Roberta has been teaching however many years longer than I, and I know her classroom has always got it together, Maybe one day during our conference time, I might just mosey on down to your classroom. But hey, Roberta, I am dying in here. Can you please help me? You know, just building that relationship is important. I feel like post-pandemic, we've kind of lost that a little bit because we were required not to do that for so long, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so just having and building that rapport with somebody, I think will go very, very far. And you're not in this by yourself. You're not the only teacher on a campus. You're not the only teacher struggling. Find somebody else, reach out to people, find, build a support group. I don't care what it is, but it's incredibly important. I love how your first one was taking care of yourself because that's what we focus on here. And mm -hmm. oh, I've listened, we see I've so listened much guys. Of it. I, know, I know what yeah. the teaching mamas are about. So. <laughs> yeah, and, and we love talk, talking boundaries. That's like one of my favorite things to talk about because I just see so many teachers saying yes to so many things all the time. And I just like to remind them that every time you say yes to something that you don't truly want to do, that doesn't bring you joy, you're saying no to something that does bring you joy. You're saying no to like your family or your friends or something that hobbies. is, yeah, hobbies. What is that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who has those anymore, right? <laughs> so, yeah. And, for, and kudos to all the, the moms out there that are either have young children or just have children in general, because that's another added factor to it as well. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, I'm a father. I'm not a mother. Um, and my mom, my mom, well, my mom was amazing, but my wife is phenomenal, <laughs> you know, and she's doing great stuff. And she was a teacher and she was running a unit when she was pregnant with our first kid. Uh, an autism unit so she was running around like wow. eight months pregnant um and it was all children underneath the age of first grade and under so she had little wow. ones that are chaotic and everything and yeah i'm like how like i stubbed my toe last week and i'm i need a boot like i can't i can't be walking around <laughs> on this thing without crutches how the hell are you doing this because you guys have superpowers but the point being is like it's exhausting to be a parent it's exhausting to be a teacher and now you get to double whammy that type of stuff yeah and if you're <laughs> And these are all real things, right? So if you're if you're also pumping, right? You're having to leave part of the oh, day yeah. to go deal with that. And then you got to clean all your stuff. And you got, oh, mm -hmm. guys, obviously I have a four-month-old. So I'm like right in the thick of it right now. But mm -hmm. like, yeah. but like yeah. it is, it's a lot of stuff you guys have to deal with. And it's yeah. when your kid gets sick, you're sick. And I, mm -hmm. thankfully, I have the luxury of, I don't have a classroom. So there's no such thing as a substitute for a school psych. So if I'm mm -hmm. missing like, a couple days like obviously i'm putting in and i'm missing days but i can write reports from home right that's no big deal mm -hmm. but if you don't have that option and 
Roberta's kids get sick and for whatever reason, because you know it's a 24-hour rule. He's got the 101 degree or 100 degrees, so you're not going to be mm-hmm. here today and you're not going to be here tomorrow. And you hope to goodness that temperature goes down by tomorrow night or tomorrow morning because mm-hmm. then you're going to miss a third day. And mm-hmm. what's going on in your classroom? I hope it's not close to state assessment time. Like exactly. education is hard, guys. It's so hard. I'm <laughs> kidding. <laughs> But I think it is manageable with the right things in place, like what you talked about. I think those yeah. three things can go a long way to making a huge difference. Even just the boundary of keeping work at work and just mm-hmm. whatever that boundary is, just having one. I think too many teachers, myself included early on, didn't have a set boundary on how long I would stay or how much I would take home if anything was taken home. And it was just kind of all up in the air. (laughs) That's Mm -hmm. not healthy. So I think just any sort of boundary, whatever feels good is great. Mm -hmm. Um, So this week on our Instagram and in my blog, we are focusing on positive affirmations. So um, can you give us an example of how affirmations can help us inside and outside of the classroom or maybe how it could be used with kids? Yeah. So, I mean, I have a nice little poster on my wall. It doesn't say positive affirmations, but it has a bunch of like fun little positive things that you say on there. So like, I am important. I am special. I can be a, I think one says I can be a positive leader. Um, I'm proud of myself and my accomplishments. You don't have to have giant accomplishments. It doesn't always have to be straight A's. It could be a personal accomplishment. Guess what? And remember what I do for a living, right? So I'm think about my bubble that I'm dealing with, my mental health kids. I came to school today. That is a huge accomplishment for you. Awesome. You made it today. You got out of bed. The depression didn't get hold of you. Your anxiety didn't get hold of you, right? Even little things like, oh, I got in trouble this morning. I... I was, I know I'm not supposed to shout out in class and I did. And then I had, I got to lose recess. Well, guess what? Mistakes are going to help us learn and grow, right? So what can we learn from this? Another positive thing, right? Turn everything into a positive. Um, And in that case, we can also say you're a problem solver, right? You Mm -hmm. identified a problem, you figured it Mm -hmm. out and you went forward. So it's incredibly important. Kids need reinsurance. Kids need positive unconditional positive regard, which is a psychological term, we need to be on their side. There's too many times that, and I, I know, again, I know, I know it's so hard being a teacher right here, like yelling at students, right? And there's, I mean, we're all parents. We have all raised our voice, unfortunately, sometimes, and we felt horrible afterwards. Um, mm-hmm. But it's, it's important to know that, especially at an early age, we are the primary caregivers for children for five 12 years, right? They're with us eight hours a day, every single day. Um, I don't know how many times I've been accidentally called dad and mom. I've been called mom too. It's because I work in education. So it's an (laughs) accident sometimes. Um, But that's just to show that like you are such an influence on a kid's life, right? So your words mean things. Your actions mean things. If you work with children on the spectrum, your body language means things. And that even off, not on the spectrum, right? They pick up on all these things. So whenever you are bringing a negative attitude, uh, an attitude that's going to be detrimental to the student's life, they understand that, right? So try to be positive. 
try to help these children understand that they're bright in this world. You don't know whose life you're influencing. You don't know whose life you're making better. You don't know what all these kids are going back to at their home. You may be the positive thing in their life. And if you're yelling at them or you're pissed off for whatever reason and it's kind of coming out and what you do, it may affect them in a way that you don't know. You don't understand, you don't know the ripple effect of your your decisions that you make at school, right? Mm-hmm. And as an educator, just across the board. That's not even a teacher thing. That could be campus administration, school psychologists, counselors, whatever. Even in the household, as a parent, right? It's hard being a parent, right? <laughs> like and, yeah. and I went I, I did that one kid to two kid jump. And that is a very hard jump. And I know I'm <laughs> I know it. Oh, and I, people say rough. it gets better, but we're, we're done after two. But people say it gets easier after yep. that. I mean, <laughs> but like, Jesus Christ, that whoop. And we make the joke yeah. like, my, our oldest one is four years old, and our youngest one is going to turn four months soon. And we're like, we are so exhausted, especially early on. But that mm-hmm. three year old at the time, like, he's, he's, he didn't stay up late with a kid. Like, he's ready to go at 6 30 a.m., whether you're ready to go or not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, spring break we had spring break a couple of weeks ago and they would just been after we got out of the hospital with our youngest kiddo and so we were just like maybe we can just like stay in bed all day like we're just so tired <laughs> but our three-year-old's like no it's let's play let's do all this stuff so you have to again put on that type of attitude of like all right we gotta do it for the kids right you gotta be positive you gotta help them understand yes you are just important to me as this other child, your new baby brother is, mm-hmm. right? Because you do seem to be giving them a lot of attention. Same thing in a classroom. Just because you tend to give attention to the children that are maybe the squeaky wheel or have the most difficulties, don't ignore the rest of the kids in the classroom. They still need positive role models, even though they may be the good kids, quote unquote, right? Because yeah. you don't know what's going on in their life. They may be quiet for a reason. They may right. be exhausted because of whatever's going on in their home life. That's why they don't talk a lot because they're tired. Mm-hmm. Be there for all your children in your classroom. I know it's a tall order, but it's 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 an important thing, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Actually, what, I know. I know that. I don't think yes. it. I know it. It is important. Yes, I agree. I think something that stuck out to me in your example, you know, we hear teachers yelling at kids and it, it does happen. It has happened. Mm-hmm. It's nothing new. It's something I think I learned, thankfully, early on because I also had special education background and I had an interest in psychology. So I love reading up on stuff, but was always, if something like that happened that I'm like, Ooh, I don't feel good about how I handled this situation. And I do this as a parent as well. I always go to them later. And it's like, you know what? I made a mistake. I shouldn't have yelled. I am sorry for my actions. And this is what I'm going to do next time. Mm-hmm. As your teacher, the next time this happens, you're going to see me go take a couple breaths before I interact with you. And then we're going to problem solve. We're going to come together as a classroom and we're going to figure out a way to solve this problem together. Whatever that was, you know, that was just one little example of verbiage. And I could do that even as a kindergarten teacher. And I think um, I was rather progressive in those thoughts. Oh, how crazy, Roberta. (laughs) To be humble. And didn't make, yeah. you made a mistake and to your students. Apologize <laughs> and tell them, you know, I, I'm going to do my best to make sure that doesn't happen again. And I think mm-hmm. that goes a long way in fixing any damage that could have been done with relationships. But Well, not only that, but then you're also teaching the kids 
like this is how I should handle a situation when I mess up modeling and this is this is how I should take some deep breaths before I react and yeah Mm -hmm. yeah well I think the other thing is you're also talking about the difference between authoritarian and authoritative right an authoritarian dictates things right Right. you will listen to me regardless of what you think this is my Mm -hmm. territory these are my four walls authoritative obviously teaches respect and has reasonable boundaries but you also give yourself room to be a little bit more submissive in certain areas like you said i made a mistake you know Mm -hmm. you know we we don't want to educate through fear right Right. that's not a thing we want to do to talk about the psychological side of things it's also a parenting style but you know right no absolutely (laughs) and i think we've thankfully we've had um a couple episodes uh, where we interviewed uh, a woman, I'll have to find those and put them in our uh, show notes for any of you listeners who are curious, but we talk more in depth about authoritative and authoritarian and the other two parenting styles um, in a conversation we had about gentle and conscious parenting. And I think it it does really, especially with our younger kids, it easily, we can easily transfer um, that co- that parenting conversation into uh, classroom community and dynamics so that she had some great insights on on the difference between those two but and how we can be conscious and gentle parents but still be authoritative exactly so awesome well Carissa, do you have anything that that you feel we've missed or you would like to bring to the conversation before we're done no, I, I really enjoyed you guys bringing me on today. I'm glad we had our uh, um, Avengers style crossover where you guys came on <laughs> our episode and then I came on yours. I'm sorry it's not the whole crew, but alas, I'm I guess I was the only one that was not busy tonight with other right. things. Yeah. Well, and we didn't we didn't talk with you last time, so it, no. it all works out. Yes, yeah, it all works out. We everybody got to see everybody and meet everybody. Okay, and even yeah. though it's the first time I met Roberta, it's been fantastic. But I just I just want to thank you guys for having such an outlet for yourselves and for teachers and for parents to come on and have conversations about very important things. Um, there's nine million podcasts in the world at this point. I mean, I'm pretty sure my four year old can start one. And people, he'd get like at least three or seven <laughs> listeners. Um, but I think there's some topics that are incredibly important and are universal. And I think a lot of the stuff that you guys talk about is very good. And I want to let you guys know that um, you guys are doing fantastic work. And I'm, I'm glad and I'm honored to be able to come on your guys' and have a conversation with you about this type of stuff. And for anybody who's listening or stumbled upon it, I'm going to, I'm going to plug you guys real quick. Make sure you give them a good review. Make sure you give them a like and make sure you subscribe to all their stuff. <laughs> I, I didn't get to say it on my episode because I'll, on our episode, usually I'm the one that says that at the end of ours, but yeah. I didn't get to do it. So I'm going to do it on your guys's. So leave a like, subscribe to them, leave a five-star review. Tell them how amazing Roberta and Ashley are and tell them how they uplifted you recently. <laughs> thank you. No problem, same, no same to you. Oh, thank you. Go check out if you are interested more in like the psychological side of things. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely go check out the Task Talks podcast. And I don't know when ours is coming out, but I think you said sometime this summer. So yeah, so we always pre-record all of our episodes because if we have because we are a state association podcast. This is not like 
Chris, Brooke, and Robert like got a bunch of bros, got a bunch of stooges got together and decided <laughs> to start a podcast. We do it through our state association. So because of that, we have sometimes we have sponsors from different publishing companies who come in and help us out, but they usually don't mm. get their funds till like Mayish time. Mm-hmm. So we wait till then, and then that way we can add advertisements to the beginning and the end, whatever they want to do, because um, they give us the money and we just mm-hmm. do what they say at that point. So, yeah. but yes, yeah, so awesome. your guys' episode from what I've heard is phenomenal, and I'm very excited to listen to it but if i can make maybe a book recommendation real quick are you guys okay with that go for it because you brought it up roberto you talk Mm -hmm. about the psychology side of things there's an amazing book called think again by adam grant who is like my school psych crush or not school psych my psychological crush he's an organizational psychologist um (laughs) maybe literally the most brilliant man ever um he's so smart but he wrote a book about re refocusing and thinking again whenever you're subjected to problems that are difficult um he has he's done like nine thousand ted talks he's done interviews with everybody across the world and oh all he, what's that i oh, said oh my gosh no, no he's phenomenal but his biggest thing is just approaching the way you see pro- problems um, can really help you in the future, right? Like, don't always take a linear approach to everything. Sometimes you need to take a scenic route and think outside the box. And the the big quote on the top mm. is the power of knowing what you don't know. Think again. <laughs> Just read I, the book. I like it's, this. It's helped me in my career. It's helped me in my life. This. Oh, so yeah, it's, I, I like alternate between like nonfiction and fiction all the time, but it tends to be my yeah. nonfiction. It just goes all the way back to this one every single time. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I would just, I, if if you guys can read anything, just read it. It's so good. It's so good. Think again, Adam Grant. Awesome. awesome. It is on my list. Awesome. Thanks Thank so much. You. And we'll make sure to link to your episodes. Our listeners can go listen to some of your previous seasons. You're heading into the third season, right? This summer? Yeah, we're currently recording our third season right now. Um, we're mm-hmm. about, I think you guys were our second episode that we recorded. No, you were actually our first episode we recorded. Nice. but you'll be Ooh, the second I'm... episode released this season okay okay and that's just because of the it was a scheduling thing like the first it was a whole thing but yes you will be the second okay. episode released <laughs> this next season um but yeah so we we this is our third season doing this we usually run about 20 to 30 episodes a season but we're we're, tr- we're trying to catch up to you guys you guys have a lot of episodes you guys have done so well what it was like 80 <laughs> something last time i checked yeah, yeah yeah it'll be what 85 this week i believe so yeah that's awesome yeah well thank you so much thank you you too everyone go go listen to the past two season of test talks and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss it when our episode comes out (laughs) thanks chris all right thank you guys